Hey, she just thought her friend was over there, man. What the hell? You know, come on now. Nothing wrong with that. That's 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 very innocent, Alexis. Well, I don't just know start what, the show, Jeff. I don't know what she could have been doing down there, down there, <laughs> all low on that guy like that. But anyways, uh, anyways, folks, um. That is, of course, the type of class we have over here on the Bleeding Edge, uh, you know, um, as usual. And as usual, Cybernetic Shark, my co-host, is stylish and styling with his green screen and his Miss Marvel logo in the background. I must say really quickly that, um, of course, we are reviewing. There's the there's t-shirt. There it is. That's right. I'm waiting for mine to come in the mail. I reordered them, Cyber. I got the same ones as you. Um, nice. We're doing our episode for Miss Marvel Review. We got Alexis here back to finally do one of these uh, these Miss Marvel reviews. Cyber's back again. It's Wednesday night. We've got JB from Who the Hell Knows the Hell's podcast is called Can't Even Remember uh, coming out here at some point and whatnot. I'm sure he'll explain. Um, and uh, besides that, I got to tell you, the Miss Marvel logo is great. It really is. It's a great logo. Um, it just it's very it, it looks it's very stylish. Um, and I really enjoyed that whole, um, like, title scene that they did right there in the beginning of the episode where they shifted the title and they flipped it a couple times. I'm not sure if that was supposed to be, like, comic book orientated or something or, or what, or if it was just, like, a design thing. But I like that. That was cool. Um, so, anyways, folks, uh, I am, of course, Jeff S., a.k.a. True Knowledge, um, co-host, humbled co-host of the MCU's Bitty Edge YouTube channel and podcast. My poster is uh, partially um, obscured by this uh, bookcase, unfortunately, so it's not in full view, but it's there. Um, and um, Alexis and Cyber, I'm working on posters for you very soon, so hopefully you'll have one soon, I hope. Um, oh, we got Jeff Bobin in the comment section. Once again, he's returned. I thought I thought he disappeared. I thought he was. I thought he'd been kidnapped by the Tuscans or some shit. But um, apparently he's back. What's up, Jeff? Um, 
Jeffy, of course, is a longtime combo collector and a good friend of the Bleeding Edge. So, um, once again, um, we have Alexis. Alexis, is it Hena? Hena. The J is like a Y. No, no I, one ever gets it right. Don't I'm, worry. Well, thank you. I'm glad that I'm not the only one that butchers it every time. Um, I, I feel bad about it, but, um, Alexis, of course, um, is the, um, creator, owner, and operator of Honeysuckle Rose Creations, um, and we will, of course, at the end of the show, when we run plugs and whatnot and everything, um, showcase some of her wares, and she is in full, um, Comic-Con mode right now, right? Very much. We just wrapped up Smallville Con in Hutchison, Kansas, and this, uh, not this coming weekend, but the weekend after this, we're going to be heading down to Texas for the Greater Austin Comic Con, and right after that, we're staying in Texas for another week, going to Houston for Comic Palooza. We just found out we're getting two of the stars of The Boys as guests at Comic Palooza. So excited about Who's that. Get, who, who is getting them as guests? You, you and... Um... Well, I don't run the convention. I'm a vendor. Oh, I see. I see. Okay, the 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 actual convention is getting them. Yep. Okay, Not now I get Lander. it. I get it. Okay, all right. I was confused there for a minute. I thought you were saying like the Rutledge Broadcasting Network or something like got them or something like that. I wish. Yeah, I was gonna say like that would that would be a big get. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. Um. So yeah, like, I, I'd love for us to get that big someday. Oh yeah, I mean, I think we all would, but um, um. You know what? Honestly, Alexis, um, I don't think I told you. We got monetized. Yes, you did tell me oh, that. Oh, I did tell you. Okay. You know what? We, we're very hum- – we feel very blessed and humbled by that. And I am, like, diligently fighting copyright strikes left and right and shit with YouTube. I, I'm telling you every day to uh, make sure that we get our 13 cents every month from YouTube, you know, from our ad revenue because of our massive audience. Well, um, then maybe we should avoid doing – playing that uh, Ms. Marvel trailer than, like, you wanted – no, you know what? The Miss Marvel trailer is, is is safe. Um, it's um, you know, it's it's we- YouTube is weird. They're selective about certain stuff. Sometimes they let certain stuff go. I mean, we all our shows go up on the Minds Creativity Network YouTube channel, right? We have copyright strikes on some of our on some of our shows on our MCU's Bleeding Edge YouTube channel, but on the the Minds Creativity Network channel, the videos are fine. So you know what I mean? Like you know, you tell me. Um, but anyways, um, once again, as always, as it is Wednesday night, my veteran YouTube, uh, veteran YouTuber co-host, Cybernetic Shark, is here with me. Cybernetic Shark, how are you, my friend? I'm good, sir. I am, um, you know what, honestly, I am always, when it boils down to it, um, disappointed when we lose some guests before the beginning of a show, but it's always nice to have a nice little tight family unit like this, it's nice. It's kind of old school in a way, um, you know. And um, hey, if we if we just had Perry Ramsey real quick, we'd be we'd be a full team, um, <laughs> you know. Or if Arch Stanton would pop up real quick, you know. What's up, Arch? You you uh you silent uh ghosted like son of a bitch. Um. So, anyways, Miss Marvel episode four. And before we get into it, I will go ahead and play the promo, and I'll do the trailer, get it out of the way, and. I believe Alexis was so kind to actually hook me up with some nice, solid MCU articles to play with and whatnot when we get done with the review. So we've got some other shit to throw at you, too. Have you ever wanted something so bad and then it actually happens? Like a superhero. 
but it's not as great as you imagined it. Are you sure that we can keep that on? To no mind. It's a lawsuit. Great, then I'll make Captain Marvel in court. It won't be the first case in the American judiciary to hug it out. I think I have this bangle for a reason. But I don't know if I'm ready for this. I've never seen powers like that. So first off, I just want to say, I get it. You get what? High school. Kamala. Kamala. Another adventure shirt. Cute. She thinks I'm some kind of weirdo. You are weirdo. Boys. Excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> you're kind of on my shirt. Sorry. But you're staring out the window in your little fantasy land. Kamala. Hey. Already? Really? Come on, like... Do I have to figure out my whole future before lunch, or is like... Maybe they're right. I spend too much time... in fantasy land. That is not you. It's not really the brown girls from Jersey City who save the world. That's the fantasy, too. Something happened to you? No, why? Did you hear something? Come on, out. What does it feel like? Cosmic. I always thought I wanted this kind of life. But I never imagined any of this. Do you know what you are? I think Alexis knows that chick. Is that one of your buddies, Alexis? Did you teach her those dance moves? <laughs> I know, I sure as fuck did. I'm, be I'm a better dancer than that. Anyways, I apologize, Alexis. What's up, JD? Hi. Well, I, I know you're not responsible for teaching that, that girl to dance. I have no idea what we're doing right now. <laughs> hey, you know what, man? That's, that's a common uh, experience here on the Bleeding Edge. 
So you know, don't uh, don't 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 be concerned. Um. Anyways, I'm going to um really quick turn down some audio on some of you guys because for some reason you got really loud all of a sudden. But anyways, um. So yeah, I love that trailer, y'all. I don't know how you all feel about it and whatnot. I mean, you tell me, JD. I really think it's just a great trailer. I mean, don't get me wrong. Marvel always does a great job with trailers. They have for a while now. But, um, I, like, I love the music. I love the song. Um, you know, I do. I love the song in it. Um, yeah, and- I think that's the first time I've actually seen the trailer. I, I, I'm oddly somebody that tries to avoid trailers as much as possible. I, I like... I have to cover a lot of the Marvel movie ones for for uh, for our podcast, but I, I try to otherwise stay away from trailers. But yeah, that one was pretty good. Well, we know people who do that. Arch Stanton mm-hmm. doesn't watch trailers. Alexis, you don't watch trailers sometimes, don't you? No, I always watch oh, trailers. You okay. I share them on my company board. Okay, okay. Oh, nice. Yeah. All right. Cyber, what do you think? I mean, is that, is that a standout trailer or what? I mean, both of them are very enjoyable. They're fun. They're uh, entertaining. And uh, I definitely made me want to watch the series. So I thought they did a good job with them. And uh, the music in it was really well done, too. I mean, that song by The weekend is very, yeah. uh, you know, it, it, once that beat gets in your head, you kind of can't get rid of it. So, I mean, it's Absolutely. one of those types of songs, especially because it's a remake, too, as well. So I think it's a, a you know, a decently done song. So I, I find the trailers very fun. I keep forgetting that that's the weekend until it's you mentioned funny. it right there. I uh, I have uh, I have an Oculus and I, I play Beat Saber on it quite a bit and I have that as like a, a fan created track for it. So like that's my immediate association with that song is Beat Saber. <laughs> so every time I hear it, I'm like, oh god, where's the blocks coming from? Can I connect that to my Bakta tank? Does that plug into my Bakta? We had to get rid of our Oculus because I couldn't hold stand still whenever I was playing games. I kept running into the walls. Oh, no. <laughs> no, seriously. Every time I put it on, my husband's like, no, you don't have to move. And just reflex. I'm like, no, thud. Yep. Well, I really hope that I hope that not too many people end up showing up at Tatooine tonight for my Facebook event, Meet the Tuscans, that's over tonight and whatnot. Because they're going to be very disappointed when they get there and I'm not there. You know? And, they, and there's nobody there to translate for the Tuscans and whatnot. It's going to be very difficult to communicate with them. I'm telling you right now. Um, you know? But it's okay. Um, the Tuscans are still good good company. Um, you know? And um, there's nothing like, you know, scheduling, like, legit events on Facebook like they're real. Like, called Meet the Tuscans. But, um... Anyways, Alexis, um... You know, as far as the trailer goes and whatnot, I don't think I've really, I've really asked you about it before and whatnot. Do you uh, agree with me and whatnot that um, they did a really good job, essentially, of grabbing almost like the best shots of the series, essentially, so far, all in oh, the trailer? Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. It really does get you in. I do. I think I mentioned this on the first. Um, I haven't been on uh, discuss this since the first episode, but I think one of the things I did mention then that I do really like about the show and the trailer is how it's appealing to a younger audience. Between that, the music, the shots, the high school shots and everything, and the really creative use of artwork within the frames, which I know they haven't completely carried over, but I did, I kind of do wish we saw more of that. Uh, very Edgar Wright style kind of a thing. 
Uh, but I do think it uh, aims very well at uh, younger uh, MCU fans. So credit that they're able to hit their target demographic. Well, I would hope that they can make that work since that was essentially the premise of the show from Jump. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I would I would hope that they'd be, at least be able to pull that off. Um, but you're right, Alexis. I mean, you know what? That is that is something that you can mess up. So, you know, um, oh, yeah. they had, they've been very, very hip. It's very easy to come across as very stuffy and corporate, uh, especially for a corporation as large as Disney. Well, that's right. You got to keep it real, right? You got to you got to be authentic when it comes mm-hmm. to you know uh, you know what's going on culturally and societally and whatnot and everything and with music and entertainment and whatnot and all that. You know, well, um, you got to remember we've seen so many shows come out of D- Marvel on Disney Plus, and not all of them have aimed at the same target audience. I refuse to believe that. I mean, obviously, other than the core MCU fans. Uh, Ms. Marvel's fans are not going to reach the same kind of fans that they were going for for Moon Knight or Falcon and Winter Soldier or even no, WandaVision. And I, no, and I think some of the some of the viewing numbers have reflected that. It, it's definitely going for a for a younger demographic, and it, it's it's it, see, and it's one of those things that I, I actually think the marketing to some extent is doing it a disservice because it feels very geared towards a young audience, and it's pretty broadly accessible and and pretty broadly uh done so uh i think actually a lot of like mcu fans that are around my age uh are probably missing out if they've not decided to follow through with it well honestly it's for kids jd honestly analysis youtube i think that you got to take into consideration that some of this lash, this this backlash that you're getting from people that, like, we talked about in the studio, Alexis, about me me reaching out to other collaborators that we've worked with before and whatnot, and asking them to come on, and they're like, "Hell, I'm hell no, I'm not coming on that. I'm not. I don't want to. I don't want to review that show. I'm not watching that show." Um, I'm telling you, I don't think all of that is exactly all because of Miss Marvel. I think some of that is actually backlash resulting from disappointment or confusion or pessimism with what's going on right now with Marvel Studios in general, what they've been producing, what they've been dropping for us in like the last year, the direction they're going, um, you know, and, um, that, and of course that's a bigger overarching conversation for another show. You know what I mean? But um, I've had some dialogues with other guests on shows at times before Cyber knows, uh, with Lord Deathman and Renee and whatnot, where we talked about the fact that, you know, a lot of fans that I've noticed, you know, their reaction after seeing Doctor Strange 2 was not like this this massive enthusiasm. It was actually suspicion. Like, it made them more, like, concerned, in a way, about where, where the MCU is going. Which is weird, but, like, I, I got that vibe from people. Um, well, and, so, and so I just wonder maybe if a little bit of it may be a ret- reticence that is, that is a backlash towards Marvel Studios in general. Not just the character Miss Marvel. I mean, there, <laughs> there definitely is a backlash about Miss Marvel, the character, uh, and some of the uh, uh, some of the more toxic corners of the internet. There, there is definitely a backlash about the character uh, and about her heritage and uh, even about her gender. Uh, so that that is. Oh, superheroes thing. must be white and male. What is wrong with these people? Absolutely. We can't have a Muslim teenage girl superhero. That's just lame and boring. Uh, why? But, why, uh, why is, she, is she not female? She looks female to me. No, I, I mean the the point is that you know those toxic corners of the internet don't 
want female superheroes. They don't want them leading a show. They think uh, that they just they, they think that it's the same characters reason that, like Miss Marvel. They think they're pandering. Yeah, they it's think the same that reason that include... Captain Marvel got review bombed, and that uh, well, I mean, Black Widow wasn't a good movie, but Black Widow also got review bombed for the same reason. Like it happens. Well, <laughs> it I, happens I, unfortunately. I, I... I, in, I mean, I, I, really, I would really like to see. I really, like to, really like to see a non-binary superhero soon. I would you know? too. I, I would, would friggin' love that. Absolutely. Um, the, the problem I, is, people. So many people think that by having characters who are not white males, or even just white straight cisgender, uh, you know, superheroes, that we're pandering. They, there are so many. I know this because I've got a guy I record. Well, I don't personally record with him, but he's on my network. Not saying names, but I when I reached out saying, "Hey, to, to that network, saying, hey, anybody want to talk about Miss Marvel tonight?'" And he actually commented, "I thought that stupid show got canceled." I'm like, "Uh, no, it's getting good reviews." He goes, "Oh, too bad," because every time he hears about a character being added who's a, who's ethnically different or uh, gay or non-binary or something like that he goes on a rant about how we are pandering because the fact is these people have always been here yeah you know everyone acts like this is you know what's that line is like oh i remember when my generation it was just like no they were always there you were just less exposed to them just like the tuscans they've always been there too <laughs> the uh i mean it, it's People don't realize the importance of representation. Uh, the people that rail against this don't realize the the importance of representation because they have always been represented. That's so they right. They do not do not know what it is like to go through life not seeing positive representations of yourself on television, um, and so or in comic like books. at all. So like intrinsically when that happens it's viewed as a threat it's viewed as something that's being taken away from you know the representation that they grew up with and marvel has been doing this in the comic books since like the 70s since do, the do, early 70s do you guys think i could pull off blackface on the show if i explained that i was doing it for a good reason no like, jeff like, please <laughs> god like, like for diversity no <laughs> okay, i'm just gonna completely ignore what jeff said actually talking more about representation i know that we talk mcu but dc just came out with their pride anthology series this last mm. month great book and there is a foreword in it by oh my god i think her name is nicole nicole mains uh this is the actress who plays dreamer on supergirl nicole mm -hmm. is trans and her character is trans. And she wrote this really great foreword about exactly what you're mentioning, JD, about how growing up there was no representation for people like her and how hard it was and how important it is that nowadays there are all of these younger folks who are in the same boat that they were. And it's so important for them to be able to read books, read comics, watch TV, go to movies and see people like them. They I mean, really they need that. Think about the last time you saw a positive representation of a Muslim on television. It, it's probably going to take you a while well, if hey, you can come up with an example. Like it I'll, doesn't. I'll, hey, I'll wear I'll wear a hijab this week on the show. Why not? That'd be interesting. Jeff, we're having a hard enough time staying or keeping from getting demonetized. <laughs> Quit adding fuel hold to the on, fire. Hold on, I want to be clear here, guys. I want to make it very clear. I actually went in two live streams today 
that were both for pride, okay, with trans people and LGBT people. I went in their lives and I sat in their conversations and whatnot. I hung out with them and shit. Everything was great. It was all gravy. They loved me. I loved them. And it was all blissful and harmonious. So I, I was hanging out with, with the whole LGBT team and everything and whatnot. It was interesting. Did you guys see one of the more recent episodes of uh, The Boys where they actually had a racist superhero try to give an apology? And it was actually kind of hilarious because everything that you can say to say, like, well, no, I'm not racist – but you're coming across as even more racist by saying it. He hit every single one of those checks. <laughs> I haven't watched was, any like, of the oh boys. My God. I haven't watched any of the boys, but it's so it's far really up my good. alley. I know I need to get around to it. It's really um, good. It's I a just, really good show. It's, it's hard sometimes because my partner doesn't love a lot of things that are ultra violent. And I know the boys can skew in that direction. Uh, so like, it's one of those that I would probably have to watch by myself in a, I'm tired. <laughs> There's a lot of things to watch, and I'm a baby. So I had to get my husband to actually watch the last two seasons of The Boys so he could start mm. watching it with me. Uh, Death Battle did Omni Man versus Homelander, and he just loved how violent it was. And I'm like, okay, you need to go watch both these shows. Mm-hmm. Now, oh, you know what? I actually joined a Marvel MCU dating site the other day. That exists. Wait, yes, what? Of course that exists. Yeah, uh, it does. I forget what it's called, but I joined it, made my profile and everything and whatnot. There's all kinds of cool gamer and like uh, you know, like uh like geek chicks out there and whatnot and everything. I love those I ones. Guess that They're awesome. just, I guess that shouldn't surprise me that it that exists. No, nah, there's a lot of people on it. If there's farmersonly.com, there's a group for that. Look, too. farmers only is good and whole no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I live in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, so I probably have interacted with people. That hey, I've got I've got a profile on Farmers Only. Hell yeah, why not? What have you crowed besides something under your bed? I'm on, I'm on every dating site, man. I don't even care. You know what I'm saying? If there's if there's if there's vagina on it, I'm there. It's that simple. I mean, I'm, if you got to if you need to cast the absolute widest net possible, I suppose that's Farmers right. Only works. That's right. You know what I mean? You never know. Some of those uh, some of those freaking cowgirl chicks can be freaks, man. You know what I mean? You know, just because they're muscular and shit and tough and like more masculine than me, you know, it's all good. But anyways, no, honestly, I do not have a profile on farmers on farmers only yet, but eventually I will get out of there. I promise. Uh, JD, I promise at some point down the road, I will, uh, and I'll check it out. Um, you know, and see what it's all about. But, um, I am on Christian mingle, of course. Uh, and I'm a big hit on there too. They love me. You know, because I'm so ethical. So, anyways, as far as Miss Marvel goes, uh, Cyber and I have been reading the Miss Marvel comic book, the 2014 run. Okay. And I actually consumed my first two um, comics today. I did the first two episodes. And it's very well written. Um, the art's great. Um, I, I mean, of course, I haven't, I haven't read or looked at any of the other series that they've done with Miss Marvel. They've done several of them. Um, so I've nothing to contrast, but, um, I didn't really see anything in there that parallels anything from a visual standpoint, um, you know, mm-hmm. really to the show. Um, and honestly, to tell you the truth, also, um, the vibe of the comic is very different from the show. It is. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, it is. Um, Kamala's different. You know, mm-hmm. um, and 
But of course, again, we all know that when it boils down to it, Marvel has to do what they have to do to make this stuff work cinematically. And that's just part of the, it's part of the deal. It is what it is. Yeah, Marvel does, I think, a very good job uh, of, I mean, they don't, I wouldn't say that they like scrap their characters or, or build them like differently for the MCU necessarily. But I think what they do a lot with the writers is they try to, uh, I, I think they try to bring the character into the actor a lot as well. I think there is a lot of kind of kind of vibing or, or syncing up who the character is with who the actor is uh, and trying to make those things mesh pretty well. Uh, and I'm sure they do it the other way around where they like they are casting a actor for a type that they want. But in this case, like uh, I know uh, Iman Vellani was cast pretty early and this is the f- first thing that she has done, which is kind of incredible uh because she's awesome but uh yeah i think a lot of the i think a lot of the changes uh in her are coming from uh definitely a conscious decision in the writing uh to update her as much as possible but all and to fit her in with the general vibe of the mcu but also i think to kind of bring out some of the strengths in an actress that you know you kind of have to do that when it's their first major role I, i think they did that a lot with the tom uh Tom Holland Spider-Man as well, where I think they catered a lot of the writing to his vibe. That Tom Holland Spider-Man is not nearly as like quippy or self-assured or any of that that even like high school Spider-Man was in the comics when that run started. So I think they do a lot of that. Uh I, I think they they try to bring the character into the the actor, especially the younger ones that haven't done a lot else. They're trying um, to they're trying to have him to have Tom Holland connect more with that Peter Parker. They have that. You can see definitely. It. Mm-hmm. They have that. But Cyber, what are your thoughts? How, what do you think of the of the Miss Marvel comic so far? Uh, I've actually only read the first one. Still, I have not gotten to the second one yet. Um, but the first one, uh, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really well done. I enjoyed the whole atmosphere of it. I thought it was very teen. You know, like, kind of vibe throughout the whole thing. It was, you know, very much 2014, uh, you know, superhero, New Jersey time, stuff like that. And uh, I really wish they had stuck with how she became Miss Marvel in the comics in this series. And I would love to have seen, uh, you know, the Terriga Mist and stuff like that. We mentioned that in the previous couple episodes we've talked about. Uh, that would have been awesome to see and, like, actually have Black Bolt pop up in the series, too, as well. So... Um, keeping her that inhuman character that she is in the comics would have been nice, but yeah, I thought it's a really good series so far. Just that one, that one uh, comic I've actually read, I thought it was really decently done. Well, I, I mean, it makes you wonder. I wonder what else was on the cutting room floor in terms of how else they were going to explain her powers and everything and whatnot, besides the whole gin deal or whatever. You know, like I mean, honestly, um. It's interesting just to just to speculate, you know, like what other directions they could have gone in. Um, you know, I don't know how you all how all of, before we actually dive into the first, you know, introductory scene of like the episode. Um, I don't know how you all felt about the whole Jin reveal in episode three, um, but um, it's definitely interesting, I guess. Right? I mean, you know, it's it was it was definitely it was definitely unexpected. I mean. 
it is interesting they how they kind of reveal more about the story of the Jin because frankly i think american well western audiences still haven't gotten onto the whole idea of the horror that the Jin inspire in those parts of the country we hear Jin, we think genies we think robin williams you know we think barbara eden but that is not the way the Jin have been depicted and i love that they did actually point out uh in i can't remember if it was this episode or the previous one about the idea of the Jin, they were like, you know, if Thor had landed in the Himalayas, he would have been called a Jin. The idea that it's sort of a nomenclature term for something we can't understand that we believe is evil. Mm-hmm. So it does kind of work like that. But I actually like how they're combining that this idea with her powers to explain it. I think it actually works just as well. Because I know that Marvel is working so hard to pull back from the disaster that was the Inhumans and how they tried to push that ahead through that TV movie and through Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and how that blew up in their face. I think they did that on purpose, Alexis. They just wanted to prove that they could fuck something up real quick, so they did it on purpose. Well, I mean, if you watch the Inhumans show at all, you it's easy to draw that conclusion because that show is awful um no i i i think the rework uh i have to agree with you alexis i think the rework of the powers has been done very well um i the i mean Jin is a a uh a race in the comic books they've been in marvel books since the again late 70s early 80s uh even the uh the clandestines uh that faction which is entirely different in the comic books but yeah. it is a it is a concept that they've that they've grabbed and i mean they like doing this but i think the the explanation of like how her powers work and the fact that she's like drawing from the the barrier between this dimension and and ours hey uh, hey hey don't get too far down there there well so. i'm just saying i think that the explanation really worked and come on now uh, I, I wanted to bring that up later the fact that uh, the fact that they uh, like I was so I've been all aboard like oh they're all like secret Cree and then uh, and then they were uh, they kind of bounced off of that and were like no they're Jin that's actually what they are and then they brought me back in when they had that line of like well if Thor would have landed in the Himalayas he would be Jin and it was like oh oh they could be and then yeah then they smash that again so they just like toying with me personally i feel at this point i mean i'll tell you right now if the gin would give me some certain stipulations and whatnot and everything i would become a fucking gin you know as long as as long as the contract I mean, was straight they keep talking about their dimension like if uh well, well i don't want to get too far ahead but the consequences of what they keep talking about like they haven't really sold for me how bad that would be yet so I guess they'll have to do that at some point, but um we well, hey, did get a little hint now. This actually now explains that scene in the first episode when she puts the bangle on and she kind of falls backwards. Oh yeah, that's the that's now it's like yeah. she entered the what do they what do they call it the I know it means the light. The nor. The nor, thank you. Yes. Yeah, the nor we're the nor dimension. Mm-hmm. so that actually so i watched i'm like oh so that's what that was she basically fell through the noor dimension and i do also like they're saying it's not the bangle it's her genetics because she is hang on if it's her great grandmother that would be like an eighth one eighth jen 
If yeah, I'm I think that's correctly. I think that's how that works. Yes. Yeah, I'm trying to. If I could do math, I wouldn't be an artist. <laughs> um, and they're saying it's like the bangle just kind of unlocked her properties that she has the unique genetics to do something like this. And again, I really like that they're pulling it like that. It's this bangle is not just a lantern ring, which so many people thought it was going to be when they saw the teaser and they saw how they altered her powers. Which I also think they're working in really well. I know that they changed it because they didn't want her powers to be identical to Mr. Fantastic. Because we are pushing for the Fantastic Four movie that's coming out soon. And I know we'll be talking about that later. Okay, thank you, uh, Nanner Banner. I do play Pokemon Go. Uh <laughs> <laughs> um but i think they're working with it really well to help make it more her own thing and less oh hey look she can do what mr fantastic can do so well geez um, you know what i mean you guys killed my buzzer i mean i was working something out there with one of those advertisements at the combat session and now i blocked them so now i mean i'm gonna lose out you know i had something going on but uh it's all right I- i'm i'm okay i'll survive um uh, you know but anyways no. So what did you guys think about the uh, introduction of the, uh, the the Red Daggers in this episode? Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. But, uh, we'll get there. Give me one second. And let's at least talk about the introduction of the episode where they actually, like, go to Karachi and whatnot and everything. And we get the, you know, that whole deal and whatnot. Let's at least, let's at least touch on that a little bit. Nothing really poignant happens in any of that as far as I can tell. Um, like, nothing really profound occurs or anything like that. Um, there were some great visuals. Um... Uh, Karachi looked great. Um, the, um, you know, I guess to kind of go ahead and lead right into the intro, right? You know, she flies over to Karachi with mom and, um, you know, meets her cousins and, and not, and Nana. And, um, they have that, you know, they have that scene where she's in the car and, and she's seeing all like the sights and everything of Karachi and the nightlife of Karachi and everything and whatnot. It looked really cool. I liked the music, you know, there was some like really weird Pakistani hip hop. Like, techno shit going down. I like that. Um, and, again, I mean, nothing really coming out of it that was really all that impactful or, like, powerful. Um, you know, I mean, basically, um, I thought that it was interesting that they, that, that they decided to change scenery and have her go to, to Pakistan and have her go to Karachi. And whatnot. I like that that twist, you know, that they've changed geographic locations and whatnot, you know, and and they, you know, now she's not in Jersey anymore. Um, I like the Jersey part, I do, but I like the uh, the traveling. Um, and I felt like um, it was they did a really good job shooting everything there. If that makes sense, the way that, the way mm-hmm. that they the way that they cinematically displayed. Um, the city, it looked very, uh, luminous, illuminescent, like very, very lit up, you know, mm-hmm. like it looked, it looked very energetic. Um, and essentially, um, before I go into like the next couple scenes, does anybody have anything to really to draw on or talk about coming off that intro? I would love to know what Nani said to Kamala's mother to get her to, okay, a sudden uh, overnight flight. <laughs> she said to uh, Pakistan. They, they 
very quickly blew over it, but um, I think she basically hinted that she was having health problems and that they needed to come see her before she died. Um, That was... uh, I think that's what they had discussed on the plane when they... Because I was worried about, well, how, like... Kamala's in trouble from the last episode, so why would uh, Moniba even agree to take her? Um, and, uh, yeah, it's it, it was that kind of when they just declared that they needed to put a truce on her being punished. I think that's where they mentioned it. Maybe, and I might have missed that. But, yeah, I guess that did kind of puzzle me at first. It was just like, just like wow, yeah, last-minute flight to the freaking Pakistan for a middle-class Jersey family. Uh, do you have any idea how expensive overnight flights are? Or uh, overseas up, flights? I looked Especially up the last, last minute. Yeah, I looked up the last uh, uh, the last uh, episode that I, I covered of Miss Marvel. And I think a flight from... Because we, we wanted to price this out because of the wedding scene. It was like... How much money did it cost all of those people to come over from uh, Karachi? And mm-hmm. uh, I think if you were able to do it uh, at least like four or five days in advance, you could find a flight for about $600 a person from Newark uh, stopping once. Well, Which is right. a lot of money, but it's not totally impossible. Well, that sounds like a long flight to me, man. I'm telling you right now, About I'm gonna, I'm gonna eighteen need... and a half hours. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if, at that point, uh, if, if it's gonna, if I'm gonna pay six hundred dollars, I'm gonna need also, um, like some kind of like you know, um, like rubbing, you know, rubbing tongue type deal at the end or some shit. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like on top, just to like fix, you know, just to get me straight. Um, but um. So basically, uh, did anybody else have anything coming off the intro at all? Um, you know, Cyber, do you have anything on, on it, buddy? I uh, I just wanted to say I enjoyed the scenery too as well. I thought that was really cool, mm-hmm. what they showed and all that kind of good stuff. And uh, I really appreciated that whole scene, kind of getting to see a little bit of that area of that part of the world too. I think that was really culturally fun and uh, giving you kind of idea of what – it's like, you know, in present day over there. So I think that's really cool. They apparently, yeah. uh, they filmed it in uh, Bangkok, I believe. Uh, the Karachi scenes, they filmed in Bangkok. Hey, you know what? That's really good information. I'm glad that you that you, that you went ahead and dropped that because I, I had no idea. Um, yeah, it was very well done. Um, I liked it. I enjoyed it. Um, and honestly, um, as far as filler goes, it could have been worse, right? Um, so essentially we go right on to Kamala, um, finally talking to Nana in private, uh, pulling the, the, the bangle out or whatever and whatnot, you know, and discussing it with her. We find out what the train is all about, right? For episode Mm -hmm. three, that gets explained to us, you know, that I guess what the train is, um, like linked to, um, um, what is it? Is it linked to the whole like interdimensional deal that the Jinn are trying to do? Hard to say. Um, so I know that it's hearkening back to Partition, which yes, is yes. a deeply traumatic historical event that still informs Indian and Pakistani relationships today. 
Um, so largest, it definitely uh, UFE, largest refugee crisis of all time. Really, essentially, like to summarize it in like two sentences, it was when the British were pulling out of India and said, "All right, so here's how we're going to do this: all of the Muslims are going to go here, where they don't presently live." And all of the people who are Hindu are going to leave that area and come to India where they don't presently live. Y'all figure it out. <laughs> it went as terribly as that sounds. Um, I Yeah, I'm not sure. I still am kind of fuzzy on what the train's express purpose is. I think it's more to... Uh, I, I think it is trying to go in that direction because i think the point of it is to eventually lead her to aisha um i, I think you're who right i believe yep. is in the nor dimension because that's where we have seen her is when the bangle is taking effect you're right so. you're right and there's obviously there's a shared space there there's there's mm-hmm. something there that's that there's a continuum there's a there's a, a connection there with that time period in time right in mm-hmm. our dimension right of the yeah. uh, you know um that correlates with um, the jinn, right? Leave like you know, ending up in our dimension and leaving and and like you know, and leaving their home dimension. Yeah, it was interesting that um, you know, her grandmother was able to see the train. Um, so that definitely implies that you know, if she's at least connected, um, in that way, which means that any of them that are jinn should have possibly been able to see that train, which. I guess could explain how. Anyway, it explains a couple of things. So but... it may explain why Moniba was actually willing to go. Maybe she caught a glimpse of the train as well. It's definitely possible. Yes. Well, you know what? I mean, I did. So what are your thoughts, Cyber? I mean, obviously, uh, we're going to get into the end of the episode at some point here soon, and we're going to talk about the actual, you know, you know, the actual ending scene with the train station and whatnot, and everything, and like, you know, that time period of that split, um, you know, um, but, um, what do you think? What do you make of this insertion of the train in these like dreams and these trance-like states? What are my thoughts on it? Is that what you're asking? Yeah, yeah. What do you what do you what do you think? I mean, I thought they were it was interesting and in, you know, when she first put on the the bracelet in the first episode and it took her to that dimension, you know, made her go, you know, basically kinda go woo like that. And uh, I thought that was a really cool kind of like, oh, here we go. We got another kind of you know, character leading us to another dimension and just coming off of, you know, Doctor Strange and Multiverse Madness, you know, seeing all the different realms and stuff like that and different dimensions that they went through when they finally get to the Earth where the Illuminati are, uh, you know, maybe this is kind of kind of coinciding with, you know, th- this is another one of those dimensions maybe that, you know, that we're going to eventually see in the MCU. So I thought that was a really cool concept. I like that they brought that in. I like that they kept it kind of like connected to, you know, the multiverse that they're kind of, you know, exploring right now in the MCU, which I feel we'll see more of that, especially when it comes to Ant-Man, Quantumanium, and so forth and stuff like that. So, I mean, I think this is a nice little kind of stepping stone that Marvel is using to kind of show us a little bit more of that. So I thought that was really cool. 
And hey, you know what, Cyber? That's some nice connective tissue too, right? That we, that we've been hearing a lot of people talking about has not been there with some of these Marvel, you know, productions recently, right? You know, so there there it is, right there. Um, you know, I mean, they've crossed it right over from like Multiverse of Madness right into Miss Marvel, in a way. Yeah. You know, and that's great. That's good to see. Um, it's positive, and I mean, I personally um have not been like, um. Flipping out over the lack of like the the real solid connectivity from property to property um, to the same degree that we had in like phase one and phase two and phase three and everything and whatnot. You know, at that point, Um, I think that like, you know, like like everything with like uh, the way that Marvel Studios does this stuff, it it has to be built up. You know, Um, you have to establish certain foundational structural pieces and put them in place. In order to have the connectivity to begin with, if that makes sense, you know, and because of the fact that we essentially lost like all of our main like characters from the MCU, are like our original six is all basically gone. Um, you know, I mean, at that point, they're they're back to the drawing board essentially, you know, and like you know, still trying to figure out what they're going to do with Brie Larson, you know, yet. I mean, shit. How, I mean, they're, they're paying her $27 million for, per movie. So, you know, but that's that's for another conversation. Um, so, um, as far as the, um, you know, going beyond, you know, the train and, you know, and, um, and Nan and Kamala's conversation, Kamala had nightmares. And I wondered to myself, did anybody think that maybe that was actually the djinn haunting her? I think it's a little PTSD. I mean, she just got attacked. Mm-hmm. And for that, she had people swinging weapons at her. And I don't think she was... I mean, she's she's 16. I don't think anyone is mentally prepared for that when it finally happens. A lot of the times when uh, she was throwing up her shields from her powers, you could tell it was a, a reflex. It wasn't her actively guarding herself... It may have actually just been like the powers invoking themselves. We have seen a lot of times in various uh, story arcs, various, uh, you know, various fandoms, someone has a power that if they don't think to act, it will act, you know, on impulse to protect mm-hmm. itself and its host. So, I mean, there's one scene where she gets thrown out in the previous episode during the war, and she gets thrown out and she's got her. Um, you could see like a cosmic wrap around her body and she's in pain. And it's like, you could kind of get the idea. She probably didn't think to put that up herself. Her body just instinctively did it. I thought that was like a cosmic chastity belt. Actually, but you know, besides that point, uh, cause there was some interesting stuff going on here. This episode, there was some flirtatious stuff going on with, uh, you know, Kamala and, so, and some dudes, you know what I mean? You know, things, things were getting hot. Not gonna lie, the scene where there she's fighting uh, Kareem and she goes, "Where'd you learn to jump, Ninja Turtles?" And he goes, "Where'd you learn Donkey Kong?" I was like, "Oh my god, I'm in love." That line is just like, "I'm done. I'm I am sold. I am sold. I love this guy." <laughs> oh yeah, she definitely uh, her loins were definitely uh, activated at one point in the episode where she when she was sitting next to him and whatnot and everything. It was very clear. The character is 16, Jeff. I know. I know. That's why. I, that's why I'm being very tasteful with with my words. Believe me, I could have said something else. 
Uh, Lord knows. Uh, JD, that- I think you and I are going to end up in a duel here of who rolls their eyes the most before oh. the end of the show. <laughs> hey, come on now. Hey, look, I know she's 16. She's a cute kid. You know what I'm saying? She really is. She's very cute. Um, she's very pretty. You know, she really is very pretty. And she's obviously very talented. I mean, honestly, she um, she managed to, like, not to nail that, that English accent really quickly and very well. You know, right off the bat. And came ready to did it and whatnot. Um, Jeff, she's from Canada, so she oh, has... Oh, yeah. Her. Okay, you're right. You're right. You're right. She was born in Pakistan, but raised in Canada. You're so right. You're she right. does okay. not have a Pakistani accent. My bad. My bad. Okay, so she didn't have this massive learning curve then. My bad. And she's okay. also not 16 in real life either. Just the character is. Yeah, oh. I think she is... The actress is 19, yeah. Yeah, the actress oh, really? is 19. Yes. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's a game changer. Guys, I gotta say what I can to keep Jeff under control. Why'd you have to ruin I'm it? I'm just kidding. Come on now. She's still just a kid. Um, anyways. No, she's cute. Um, and honestly, like, that's, like, even I personally, like, really do, like, find some of the, um, like, kind of sweet scenes in the trailer where, like, she, where, where you really see her smile, you know, and they really encompass and, like, focus on her smile. And her, like, positivity and her energy. I mean, she's very, um, she's very, um, angelic almost. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, she's not like, uh, she's like uniquely attractive in a way, I guess, if I, if I had to put it in a way. You know, she's not beautiful, I guess. But, but she's very pretty. And she's very unique looking. Um, and she has this whole, this individual spark to her. Um, that I think, you know, connects from, like, her real life person to Kamala, you know? Um, so, okay, moving on. Um, so we had the Night Bears. We don't know if that was the Jin getting after or whatever, or Freddy Krueger or what's going on. Um, she goes out with her cousins. They take her out on a tour, out in the city and whatnot and everything, the old city. And um, we find out that it turns out that Kamala is not a typical Pakistani name. Which I did not know. Um, but it makes sense. And we get some really cool, again, like techno, Pakistani, hip-hop, rap music again. That was pretty cool. I liked it. Um, and Kamal does a tour of Karachi. And then we get the, um, you know, the train station and the uh, the Red Dagger guy. You know, her, her new boyfriend. Uh, who, what is his name, Alexis? Kareem. Kareem. Um, he pops up. We don't know who the hell he is. He throws a dagger at her or something, like, right off the bat. And so we don't know if, she, don't know if he's friend or foe. But it becomes very clear after, like, a really neat, quick action scene, you know, where, where we see that, like, at this point now, suddenly Kamala has advanced her fighting skills to where she's now actually better at hand-to-hand combat than Echo was in Hawkeye. Um, you know, le- legitimately. And better than Kate Bishop. Uh, did you see how advanced she was in the, like fighting in, in this episode compared to like where she was at in episode three? Yeah, I mean, she... but I don't think you can compare which how she was fighting to Kate Bishop. Kate Bishop was holding her own pretty well. Yeah, and Kamala definitely has powers doing a lot of heavy lifting for her. I mean, like we also we also show her like trying to throw the dagger back and just like chucking it like <laughs> five feet wide and on the ground and. Uh, 
not but JD, doing but JD, anything. She so is, she definitely... is, no, JD, you saw it. She is physically acclimating to her powers, and at the same time, she, on her own, she's actually engaging in the fighting. Yeah, she's becoming more self-confident. I don't know that she's... I, I think she is more willing to be offensive with her powers. Um, and, like, her... She's definitely learning the bounds of what she can do with them and what she can't do with them. But, I mean, aside from, I think, like, the flip that she does, nothing that she did was really, like beyond what she's done before it's just like it's all I, I think a lot of it is just her being more comfortable with what she can do with her powers and being more willing to use them offensively if anything like i think a light switch got flipped on for her last episode when she was forced to kind of fight back against the the clandestines and i think she is growing into that um that probably would have been nice to see because I'm, I'm sure that she has been probably working and practicing with her powers to use them more offensively like because she's pretty sure that they're gonna come back but uh yeah i i don't know i i i, I really think it's more just like her learning how to use the powers uh, in a way that augments and, and goes along with what she can do physically, which is not as much. <laughs> so, 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 you, so you don't think that she's ready for a uh, a Daredevil esque, um, you know, um, hallway fight scene for the Daredevil? No, Daredevil. I think Daredevil yeah. would ruin her. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I am uh, hoping before the end of this season, somebody freaking teaches Kamala how to throw a punch. Maybe. That would be good. She might need to learn that at some point. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, so, um, either way, obviously we all, you know, I'm cyber. I'm sure you probably noticed the, um, the, of course, I guess, like, put on uh, at the end of the day, but also, I guess, sort of authentic, too, chemistry between, um, you know the uh, the young man from the um, the Red Daggers or whatever, um, Joaquin or whatever, Kareem, and Kareem and Kamala. Um, they seem to get along very well, very quickly. They had like a, a lot of little quippy, you know, back talk going on and whatnot when they were fighting. What did you think of this new character, Cyber? I think he's fun. I liked him. I mean, just like Alexa said, the Donkey Kong reference was pretty fun. Uh, and uh, the Ninja Turtles reference was really fun too as well. And uh, I thought that whole fight sequence and their talking back to each other was pretty fun and enjoyable. And I thought that he brought a lot of great new kind of flavor to the you know to the show, giving us this interesting new character to enjoy. Uh, and I thought that he held his own really well. I thought his he was really good at his fight choreography and all that kind of stuff too as well. Uh, I thought he had some great humor. And overall, I thought that he was a great addition. I did too. I did too. Does anybody else have anything to add on that? Uh, I mean, it's again, like, it's a show or it's another Disney Plus show pulling in, like, really obscure Marvel Comics references uh, with the Red Daggers. Uh, I I liked Kareem's energy. Um, 
I I liked their their chemistry. I'm not as convinced that it's romantic chemistry yet, but they definitely like they definitely get along and I <laughs> I I kind of joked around. I was like, "Boy, she is awfully willing to trust another random person who shows up who knows a lot about her who's going to take her to visit somebody else." <laughs> I might be a little slower to do that after, you know, two episodes ago where that did not go well but um blame it on the youth yeah exactly but um no i i like the character um i i i like their their chemistry and i i'm i'm interested to see uh where that all goes because like um you know, Bruno is still around, and I want, uh, yeah, I want her to hook the other up with one Bruno. is still around too. So, I, by like, the end of the series, I want her to be with Bruno. He deserves it. I don't know. I think Bruno is friend zoned. Oh man, that's rough. Poor Bruno. Oh. Oh, that was a good one-liner, Alexis. She dropped the friend zone comment, and then she she blacked out on us. Way to go, Alexis. That was <laughs> profound. Way to go. Good good timing. Um. Anyways, uh, coming off that, uh, I hope that Bruno has not been friend zoned because I like Bruno so far. I do. Um, and that would be very unfortunate for him. It really would be. I mean, you know, he carries a torch for her clearly, but that doesn't mean she has to carry one back. She definitely uh, seems to think of him not in that way, and it would be very much in keeping with tropes if, you know, she suddenly realizes that the the guy that she wants the whole time is right there the whole time. But, um, you know, that's definitely that's definitely a trope and not how that always goes. So, um, you know, I'm also more than happy for them to stay friends and for to end up with nobody at the end of the show. Uh, I think she has some stuff to figure out on her own to begin with. We also still have uh, Kamran, who in this episode gets abandoned by his freaking mother uh, at the Supermax. She basically says, uh, you know, that since he decided to alert Kamala that they were coming for her, she's like, nope, you're on your own. You're not totally 100% loyal. We're done. Yeah, that actually kind of, I mean, well, to move on, like, with the episode, uh, we, of course, get, uh, at, you know, as JD mentioned, we get Kamala being sort of, I guess, um, you know, helped in escaping or taking off um, when the Jin attack her, right? Uh, they suddenly somehow managed to teleport to Karachi and get there in, like, 13 minutes after they've left, like, the... Um, the, the damage control prison or whatever, you know, they yeah, teleported. The show is super not clear on time frames and when those scenes kind of take place in relation to each other. It definitely does seem like uh, they managed to find the fastest plane on earth to get from New Jersey to Karachi the next day. Definitely. This was uh, a complaint in Moon Knight as well with how fast y- all the characters got to Egypt. Uh-huh. Hey, you know what? When you stay too long at the free five o'clock free crack special, that'll happen. You know, it's a, that's a, that's a side effect. So, just to be clear, uh, you know, it's gonna happen, folks. But uh, no, so 
we then get the, uh, we're, we're, we're illuminated to this, like, you know, uh, hideout that's, like, all, you know, um, museum-esque and everything and whatnot and, like, old-fashioned looking and everything looking and whatnot where, like, the Red Daggers all hang out and, um, All two of them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought we'd see a few more Red Daggers. <laughs> yep, yep, there's only two Red Daggers. Um, you know, like your and, secret society needs to do a little more recruiting. And so essentially, you know, we then get into, um, this like, you know, uh, you know, super intelligent guy or whatever with the, with the red daggers explaining to Kamala with these, like, with this, like, these like really cool science slash like, uh, supernatural devices he had going on and shit that I thought were pretty neat. Um, he, he had, had like, like the best magnifying glasses in the world, or like weird hologram technology. Yeah, that was some interesting shit. Mm-hmm. You know, like he's like, you know, he had that one thing, the map, where it sh- what didn't it show the other dimension, like sitting on top of ours? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And then he had to be like, all right, now I'm going to bring up a cross section in a different hologram. I was like, your base is extra. <laughs> And yes, we find out at that point that essentially the jinn in um in going back home are going to essentially like swallow our dimension or like or like crowd us out. Yeah, it's like the the stated goal of uh of going home and that being all is kind of a ruse. They want to eliminate the barrier entirely and bring their dimension here as their way of going home, as opposed to them just going back. Starting to get the idea that these Jin were actually banished for a reason. Yeah, you know, when you call yourselves the clandestines and you're banished from your home dimension, that should have been enough reason to be suspicious. I wouldn't be surprised if they may possibly have ties to, like, the supernatural and, like, the black arts and stuff like that and whatnot in some way, you know? Yeah. I mean, I mean, their powers must come from somewhere. Exactly. You know? Yeah, and right I, now, the only thing that they've stated is that they, they, you know, the people that have powers with them can, like, tap in, or at least Kamala can specifically tap into the whatever is keeping the two dimensions apart. But, yes. yeah, the rest of them have to be getting their power from something. Every from dimension, somewhere. every dimension has its Mephisto. You know what I mean? And, <laughs> and, and, and whatnot. It has its... You know, it has its, um, what was the book that you got today, Cyber? The Book of Ashanti. The, the Book of Ashanti, you know what I mean? Like, every dimension has that, like, a version of that or whatever, you know? And I just get this feeling that wherever, whatever they've got going on, where they almost have, I guess, almost like, I'd say, they, they look like they're enhanced at times. Like, in yeah. the action scenes? Oh, they, yeah, they definitely are. They yeah. definitely have enhanced strength and speed. Yes, yeah. yes. So, I mean, honestly, like, they're actually, like, more dangerous and, like, um, uh, you know, like, uh, effective than the tracksuit mafia in Hawkeye. Oh, significantly like, so, yes. Yeah, you know? So, quick question here, because we're talking about this being a different dimension. Do you guys think this is the same as a different universe kind of thing no. like that we saw from Doc? So, do- different dimensions and different universes are... 
Yeah, okay, so and Marvel put on our quantum theory helmets. Marvel needs to be very careful about how they proceed moving forward with this because well, a universe is an actual like scientific like event that's like factually explained. It's it, yeah. It, it... So what what they're running into is like there are and what has already been established is there there are dimensions that sit over top of ours and parallel ours like. Uh, Doctor Strange goes into the dark dimension in uh, the original Doctor Strange, things like that, um, where they are parallel uh, realms that sit over top of ours. Like uh, the dark Asgard, dimension, mirror dimension. Yeah, exactly. Right. Asgard kind of is that to a, to an extent. Uh, and then there are multiverses, which are entire instances of all of those layers copied again. And marvel runs the risk as they keep introducing these different universes and dimensions of absolutely confusing the piss out of people that do not follow the comics and have no idea what the difference is some kid's gonna get in trouble for doing a presentation in their physics class about the difference between <laughs> dimensions multiverses it doesn't matter you can, you can call it whatever you want to call it at the end of the day we all get the gist of what it's about i mean that's that's all yeah. that matters you know? For sure. Uh, yeah. And it, it's important to note that, like, she's not, you know, the Nor or the, the Jin didn't, like, come across from a parallel universe or a different instance of a universe. They came from a place that sits out of reach, that sits layered over top of ours. Like, Doctor Strange could probably, like, easily walk into it and have no problem getting there. But, uh, you know, it's not uh it's it's not like going to a different universe or anything like that there's not the boundary that exists there is not as like taboo to cross it as it is like popping into a different dimension well we find out from the like intellectual red dagger dude that essentially kamala actually has powers herself in her she Mm -hmm. does right like it's not just yes it's not just the uh the dongle or whatever no, she's through her genetics. She can harness the powers of this other dimension, which, but if you it, think about it, is like a substitution for the ter- the Terragon Mist. And like, uh, yeah, that's what we absolutely. were talking about earlier. Yeah, yeah. definitely. It, it, but it almost seems like, and it's interesting to me how they're going to go. Whether each of them have a different ability that manifests because from their they're from that dimension, which would be very much how the Inhumans work. Or is, like, Kamala special in that she can specifically tap into the barrier, but just everyone else from that dimension is just faster and stronger. Um, So it'll be interesting to see how they kind of flavor that, because so far, like, only Kamala has those hard light powers, and everyone else that we've met that's a djinn that, like, shows that they have powers are just faster and stronger. And that's... And have cool weapons that they can hide on their person but well, that's that, well, kind maybe, of the extent well maybe that's also that also plays into the good versus evil aspect of the entire dynamic yeah i think it's also worth pointing out we did establish in the previous episode that there are two bangles the only mm-hmm. the general aisha 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 I, i'm not trying to pronounce it only aisha. found yeah she only found one uh with the jinn in the wreckage yeah. It's entire and like we said, we know that the bangle is not giving her the powers, but it is unlocking her powers. Uh it sort of acted as a trigger for her genetics. 
we've got two episodes left maybe she'll get the second maybe that's the idea of this uh these visions is that aisha is trying to send her a message about where the second bangle is that would make a lot of sense for sure she can get it and uh completely you know harness all of her powers yeah upgrade those powers from a free trial to a full subscription good good wording (laughs) Yes, and 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 honestly, uh, cyber cyber, it, it all makes sense, doesn't it? At the end of the day, I mean, the way that they ended up explaining it, um, with the red daggers and that whole you know deal there, where you know before we went into the prison, right, and the djinn, you know escaped and what and all that, and and he was kind of like trying to illuminate to Kamala like some of her origin and whatnot and everything and fill her in, um. The way that they ended up tailoring her, like, her origin, right? I mean, I mean, hey, is it the same thing as, as the humans and, like, the comics? No. But I'm okay with it. Like, you know, it, it works. I mean, honestly, I think that the whole gym thing is kind of Marvel's way of doing the Inhumans but not calling it Inhumans. I really think that's what this whole Jin thing, Kladenstein thing is. I think this is what they're using as kind of the Inhumans aspect of what we know from the comics, but calling it something different, changing it up from the comics to kind of make it more fresh and new. And, you know, maybe down the road, who knows? I, I feel that the Kree keep coming up in a lot of conversations that maybe they're secretly a part of the Kree. And that yeah. could be another thing that they could bring back, too. So That would be an even tighter analog to them being in humans too yeah so i think that definitely does yeah and i think the other reason why they did that too is or at least why they decided to go with this is a luckily for them they have used the concept of Jin in marvel before but b it's also much more tailored to her heritage than just being an inhuman is like Mm -hmm. it's actually tied to her uh identity as pakistani um and as a muslim so uh, you know, in that sense, I think that's actually, uh, if they're not going to do Inhumans, a pretty, pretty neat and and good way to handle it is, you know, if you're bound and determined to not use Inhumans, well, let's do something that you know is close, but we can like incorporate it into her identity since that's a large part of what this show is is her coming of age and figuring out who she is, uh, which but I, but JD. I, it does leave a void, though, right? Though, when it boils down to it, when you take away the human factor, okay? Mm-hmm. In, the, in reality, in the Marvel in the comics, in the 616, Miss Marvel is a space-bound character that does occasionally leave planet, you mm-hmm. know, and, like, actually, like, you know, go to other planets and whatnot and everything. Like, she's not just in Jersey, you yeah, know? she can still. I mean... Well, well that's... but that, that Well, that's... They're gonna have to explain that and make that work. And, and, I mean... And, spider-man went to another planet too (laughs) like all she has to do is find somebody else who has a spaceship and she's gone like we know she's going to be in the marvels as well Well, that's my point well that's my point though what's the connection going to be you know what i mean like what is the vehicle going to be what is that connective tissue going to be that's going to and maybe we'll find out maybe we'll find out in the finale maybe similar to how uh, monica got approached by uh sword yeah, to go into space. Maybe at the end of this, Kamala's going to be like, so you want to go meet Captain Marvel? I mean, yeah, it could be something as simple as Carol coming to find her. 
Um, or, you know, uh, I mean, there's a lot of also like, what if the second bangle is what upgrades her ability to fly into space? I mean, if she can create a cocoon of that hard light around her, she could theoretically go into space and not suffocate. So like, I, that is a seed that I feel like they might be laying as well. Well, she's already a better actor than Brie Larson anyway, and like already will outshine Captain Marvel and the Marvels anyway. So if they give Brie her that Larson second bangle, and hey, check you know, off your bingo listen, card, folks. If, if they if they give her that second she is bangle, an Academy award-winning actress. If they JD, give, JD, he has to find a way to insult Brie Larson on every show, or his head is going to explode. Look, if they give All her that right. if they give her that second bangle, it's over for Brie Larson. It's done. She might as well just go ahead and, and just leave the Marvels. Just let her butt double like take over for. Her. You know, I mean, shit. They only pay her thirteen fifty an hour. That's a that's a man, a, man, a serious like discount. You know, on the budget. You know, but uh, either way, just trying to help out Kevin Feige. You know what I mean? I'm trying to watch out for your bottom line. You know, I care. Um, but either way, we do a little economics here and there over here at the bleeding edge. <laughs> Occasionally, uh, so, um. The Red Dagger guy uh, essentially explains to her, you know, what the, the I guess, the inscription is on, like, on the, the dongle or the bracelet or whatever. And, um... Yeah, what does it say? What you seek is seeking you? Yep, that is definitely not ominous at all. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually gonna I'm gonna copy and paste that and use that in a message later on a dating site. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna use that on farmers only. It's interesting, like you know, what that's referring to, because it clearly like it's heavily implied that Aisha is the one that may have inscribed that, or or that it was, you know, what existed in the first place, but um, it'll be interesting to find out how that inscription, like, actually either ties into Aisha specifically or how it ties into gin culture as a whole. Oh, and let me point out, I forgot to point out that they do explain, essentially, that the Red Daggers protect the people of the city or whatever from the unseen, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so from elements. the gin. Yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, and probably any entity that's like, you know, of supernatural you know, heritage or whatever, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or like, you know, or not normal, right? Yeah, I think uh, the implication there, like, I think the implication of, well, if Thor had landed in the Himalayas, he'd be a djinn. I think the implication was that there, too, of like, well, and if that happened, it would be the Red Daggers who would, like, go and deal with him. I'm telling you. <laughs> if, he, if he rolled up into Karachi anyway. I would, it would, I'm telling you, the djinn could literally, the djinn could literally be in a situation where They've, like, sold their souls to the devil, and that's how they've managed to stay, like, youthful for so long. And in reality, like, it's some Game of Thrones shit where, like, you know, once you take the necklace off, what's her name there from Game of Thrones? She becomes that, like, old hag woman. Melisandre? Yeah. I think think their aging is definitely more, uh, more genetic than it is anything else. Uh, cause I know, like, I know the Cree as well live a, yeah. an insanely long amount of time and don't age. So, uh, uh, 
I I would be I would be surprised if there was something like artificially keeping them young. I I would more bet that the, it's you know, like like Asgardians, they just age much slower. Well, I think probably living in their own dimension also alters and affects their actual conditions and like you know what I'm saying. That's whatnot, true. You know, that's true because they do seem to be aging at a normal rate in. Uh, in our dimension, so that that's very true. Yeah, that could also explain another reason why they're so adamant about getting back. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I mean, um, I mean, you, you know, I mean, look, there's a lot of open, there's a lot of open stuff right now, but basically, um, and once we get past the whole inter- interdimensional, you know, conversation they end up having and whatnot with the cool devices and maps and stuff, um. We talk. We we get hear about the Nor being introduced and everything and whatnot, and the Nor being essentially like the fuel for like Miss Marvel's powers. I yeah, guess it's both. It's both yep. the the name of the powers that she has yep. and the name of the dimension. Yeah, like it 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 serves as a lot. <laughs> the Nor is doing does, a lot of heavy lifting. Doesn't doesn't it fuel the dimension? It's it's just yeah. It's it, yes. It does fuel the dimension. It also is the barrier or at least the cause of the barrier so like it's doing a lot it's very important so um what did you guys think cyber what did you think of the whole um scene where the the jajin escape and we see um that very quick scene where it says dodc dash supermax prison Department of Damage Control. And we have like damage control guards with, with the gin. There's a, like a kind of a quick, you know, fight scene and whatnot. And they, they escape. They, uh, you know, they toss, you know, the, the, the kid, you know, to the side and whatnot and throw them to the wolves. Um, what did you think about all that, Cyber? Did you get anything out of that? What do you think of damage control situation in the show? Well, they definitely haven't, like, really, you know, fully explained what the DODC is, you know, out to get. I mean, they basically, you know, have shortly said, you know, they're looking out for people with special powers, basically. And they really haven't, you know, given us all 100% explanation why they particularly are so interested in kind of Kamala. And, you know... They definitely, this scene here is, is interesting. We get to see kind of a, a Supermax type of, like, prison for people with special gifts, basically. Um, and, you know, we get this kind of interesting action sequence where they're fighting the guards and stuff like that. And, like you said, the kid gets, you know, thrown aside and left there after the other Jin escape. And uh, but I think that was really well choreographed. I thought that the action in that scene was really interesting and fun, and I thought it was very enjoyable. Uh, I like you know how they you know kind of use their powers or their instruments, whatever you want to call them, uh, to get themselves out of there. And I thought it was interesting that you know uh, the kid himself even tried to like like you know choke out the, one of the guards to make them pass out. So I thought he was still kind of on their team, but at the same time, it's like, you know, when they tossed him aside, it was kind of like, he, he just helped you out. Why, why are you, you know, tossing him aside, even though, you know, he was trying to help Kamala earlier. Definitely. I, I get that. Uh, but overall, I thought the scene was really well constructed and uh, I thought it was interesting. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how much more of, you know, the ODC uh, we get to see in this series with the last two episodes 
and also be interested to see if we end up seeing them further down the line in future MCU projects. Alexis, um, JD, what did you think at first when you first saw that scene and they said the, the DODC thing and they said damage control max prison? What, what, did, what popped in your head? Because I'll be honest with you, I didn't know what the hell was going to happen. I was very like, I didn't, I didn't know if like fucking uh, Abomination was going to pop out of the corner all of a sudden or what was going to happen. Uh, well, they have been building up the DODC since the first Spider-Man film. <laughs> and we might as well go ahead and bring up that one article that I sent you, Jeff, because this was a uh, a, a preview, essentially, of something we're going to get with She-Hulk. The DODC Supermax is going to be a crucial uh, set piece for the She-Hulk series. Mm-hmm. So kind of got a little bit of a teaser here on what kind of things go into that. I will say, uh, yes, uh, DODC has been, uh, they started as the, from Spider-Man Homecoming, the organization that uh, Tony Stark helped make sure got the, uh, got the contract to like clean up after the Battle of New York. And that's kind of how they started as a government organization. So they are propped up by a lot of Stark money and a lot of Stark technology, which is why they had the, um, the drones that uh, were, I think in uh, far from home. Uh, But yeah, they are, they are going to continue to be a problem. They are basically shield now because there is no other shield and there's no other government organization uh, that's public set up to deal with superhuman. So it really seems like a government organization that got set up to deal with one specific thing and has over time, like had their purview ballooned and uh, stretched to cover other things where they are now clearly covering uh, like the, uh, the, uh, I guess the enforcement of the Sokovia Accords to a certain extent and like clearly policing superhuman behavior. So they are, they are now kind of doing a really bad job of what shield used to do a really bad job at doing. What it, what it, it's what Marvel. It, There's always got to be some government group that is trying desperately to cover the superheroes asses. That is a, that are comically part. bad at it. Yes, yes. That is a crucial part of, of every Marvel storyline. What if Bale what if Bale is running damage control? Or what if Sharon Carter is running it? Oh, I mean, that wouldn't entirely surprise me being, you know, in her position as the power broker. Like that wouldn't that would be a pretty good spot for her to be in. Uh I mean we of course don't we don't know from a time gap standpoint where we're at but like realistically as far as like coming off of uh like Falcon of the Winter Soldier for instance to now. I mean you know the Contessa could be in charge of Department of Damage Control for all you know at this point. There's a lot of people that could be in control of it. I'm I'm still very much of the belief that uh the agents that we have been following are scrolls and that this will be something that kind of comes up as we get closer to secret wars, but um I, I could be could be way off base on that. I was way off base about everybody being Cree. So, <laughs> hey, you know what? Honestly, JD, it would it would be a very it would be a very intelligent premise and connective tissue to go into Secret Wars. It would mm. it, it would make sense logically. 
It was. Yeah, I mean, so like, I what it. kind of person doesn't? Uh, what kind of person's first name is the letter P? Like, I, don't trust that guy. And and why and why would they be so desperate to like go like want to grab superhuman like individuals so badly? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you know, if not to like take over for them. You know what I mean? You know. Yeah. So, um, of course, we we'll have to see how that all plays out. But, um, Alexis, I will get into the article that you mentioned. I pulled it up, but. Rounding out, I guess, the rest of the episode, um, you know, the Jin escape, Kamala and Nana talk about, you know, the whole India-Pakistan, you know, issues and whatnot and everything, and the British and how that all went down, and, um, you know, Kamala hangs out with the, her cousins, I think, and the dude from the Red Dagger, like, No, people. those aren't her cousins, she's straight up lying. Those are just. Oh, okay. That was just, yeah, her mother would never let her hang out with no, perfect strangers just, in Pakistan uh, like that. No, that's just the Red Dagger guy uh, and a bunch of his friends, which, you know, hey, I'm glad he is able to balance like having friends and also being a vigilante well. That's, oh, yeah. He's doing better than a lot of other people in the MCU are. Yeah, so I'll tell you I, right now, in real life, you probably aren't going to make out so good in that situation in Pakistan alone, like as a woman with like random dudes. On a beach, probably there are other women there. There was, oh, yeah. there was another woman there. She was, uh, uh, <laughs> they they kept uh, they kept cutting over to her because she was also like they were very much picking on each other. It was very cool. Like it was a very cool teenager scene. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought. I think any time that they uh, kind of drill down on that stuff, they generally have done a pretty good job with it uh, of like capturing authenticity. So I I, I liked that scene. I, I thought it was. I didn't know that it really served like a huge purpose aside from no kind of building their chemistry a bit. But outside of that, like I thought it was, I thought it was a good scene. No, but they do a really good job of um, doing the same spotlight type treatment that they did with Monica Rambeau and WandaVision mm-hmm. where they, where they really elevated her, yeah. you know, like beyond what she did on her own as an actress and as a character or whatnot in the show, they really put the spotlight on her and put her in the best spots to succeed. In the show, the best, the best moments, you know? Um, yeah. And and... I, I think, I think Kareem, I think the red dagger is going to be a character that comes up again and again. Like I, I, I think that that is a character that they probably have plans for beyond Miss Marvel. So I would expect him to, to show up and be a, a constant, uh, side character for, uh, for Miss Marvel moving forward. In well, like you, either a season two or uh, what? Well, look, if, if if it means we can substitute him for that freaking uh, Aquafina or whatever from Shang Chi being in the Avengers or whatever, I'd rather have him than Aquafina. I gotta be honest with you. I'll take him any day. Um. So either way, um. So Kamala hangs out with uh, Red Dagger dude. Um. You know she's all like hot and bothered by him and everything. And all that love struck and whatnot, obviously. She's very confused. Um, and, you know, um, essentially, um, Nana and Kamala's mom hang out. And um, Kamala's mom asks Nana to move to America. They have some touching moments together. And, um, you know, um, essentially, I, I wrote down in my notes that I believe it was the Red Dagger dude again that mentions to to uh, Kamala that her powers are unique. I guess 
Like mm-hmm. they're not they're like an anomaly in some way. They're not they're not natural. I don't know if that meant if if that meant in regards to the gin, you know, or um I wasn't really sure. But um we of course then end up with another stupid thing in the comment section talking about naked HD XYZ we have more cheap sex than Tinder, whatever, whatever that means. Um, I have no idea, but okay. Who the uh, hell is this that keeps jumping in? What What is going on here? Who knows? It's YouTube. Who knows? It's probably, it could be Frank. It could be Frankie. He, the, the, I mean, you know, he could Box. be, uh, it could be Box. Frank. It could be Frankie by stalker. He could be, um, he could be training for a new role in an Oscar winning film. He's going to be starring in. And this is part of his, like, back work, Cyber. You know what I'm talking about? Because Frankie's a pro. Oh, yeah. So, anyways. Uh, so, the Jin show up. They're fucking badass as usual. And um, we get our first quasi-chase scene of the series. You know? Uh, in, in, like, the streets of Karachi. Not exactly like, uh, you know, not exactly like Hawkeye. But, um, but interesting. And that leads into, like, a foot chase. We get our first death. We get the intellectual um, Red Dagger dude. The, sec- the, only, the only one of the two, like, the whole team was only two people. That was only one. Because the smart dude's dead. He's gone. And, um, essentially, um, again, Kamala's, like, hand-to-hand combat skills are, like, now, like, have elevated to, like, a different level at that point. Uh, the action scenes that, that, that then go down. Um, and um, what's her name? Uh, Isa? 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 Stabs the dongle with, was that like a dagger? Or was that was that, that spear that they had? That was, that was her. She had like twin blades. I don't know exactly what they were. I, I don't know if they were sort of, they kind of look dagger-ish. Um. What is it? What is the deal with this connection that she has, where she wants to physically make contact with it the way she does? Like you know, that's also interesting to me. But either way, she stabs it, and at that point, we get like a um, again. We don't. I don't know the right terminology really to describe it, but we get a um, a shift. You know, a you know the ethereal plane type deal happens again, where all of a sudden Kamala is now. Back in time, I believe, right? Didn't she? Not, did she not go back in time? She's—I don't think she's really time traveling. I think she's just been given a vision because no one else around her seems to notice her. But again, this is—it's partition, so everyone there is running for their lives, basically. So mm-hmm. it's like, oh well, yeah, nobody noticed her. It's like, yeah, they're slightly occupied. So I think we're going to find out in the next episode whether she actually has gone back in time or if she's getting a vision every time uh, something happens to the Bengal. My money's on she, on she, she literally went back in time, Alexis. I think she did. My money is on she is transported into the Nord dimension by that, and she is over there now, and time works differently there. Okay. Well, that's interesting. So, final thoughts, guys. You tell me. What do you think? Start with you, Cyber. Then go to you, JD, and then Alexis, you can round it off. What what were your thoughts on that whole, you know, um, I guess, like, fourth quarter of the episode that I just described? 
I honestly, it, I, it really got me excited for the rest of the episode. Uh, I was kind of bored by the beginning of the episode a little bit. I didn't find it too interesting. I mean, some of the things I said, like I said, I thought were kind of interesting. But then overall, I just kind of didn't find it very interesting. I thought they wasted too much time on they should have been explaining more things and so forth. Especially, you know, since this is the fourth episode and we got two episodes left. But as soon as this happened, oh my god, I was enthralled by this whole last action epic last scene. The the main red dagger guy taking them on and he was so badass and all that kind of good stuff. And, you know, Sheen Kamala kind of come into her powers a little bit more. She started using them a little bit more freely and all that kind of good stuff. And we get to see them all in action. The chase scene with the the bike messenger thing and then the the van was really cool the truck uh that was really awesome and her using it to shield that family from them and to save them and something that was really cool and then overall i just thought it was all really well done and just really well choreographed and really uh entertaining and exciting uh and then all of a sudden having her either you know as many people said, it could be transporting. It could be a vision. Who knows? I think it's transportation, too. I think she went back in time as well. Uh, but that transportation back to whatever it is, I thought was really cool, too, as well. And leaving it off like that, you're kind of like, whoa, what's going to happen? I thought it was all well done. Well said. Well said. Um, I just Real quick, J.D., I just want to point out I agree with you, Cyber. Um, they've done a really good job choreographing her action scenes. Mm-hmm. And I and I I really love the chase scene in this. It's a it's a really well done chase scene. Um, it's probably my favorite chase scene that Marvel has done since Shang Chi. Um, so I I I really enjoyed the the kind of uh, the the action during that scene. Uh, thought it was an inventive way to use uh, both you know the the vehicles that you would tend to see in Karachi, but also uh, just the, the crowdedness of the streets, um, which is very, you know, it, it is not a thing that you generally experience in the West. So uh, I thought all of those set pieces were used very well. Um, yeah, uh, I, you know, anytime that I get to the end of an episode and I'm left going, but, but I, but I want more of you. Um, I feel pretty good about it. And that's exactly where I was when the episode ended. It was like, but what, she's but where is she now what's going on don't you can't end there and they did so uh yeah i thought i and i thought the episode was pretty effective in that alexis i am glad to see we get we're getting a little bit more action i did greatly enjoy the chasing through the marketplace seeing uh both the crazy driving and uh kamala using her powers effect it's really funny when they're doing the whole it's like ah family of the baby family of the baby (laughs) they have to find a way to turn around um i am really intrigued on where we're going with this you know we've all kind of kicked around uh some theories uh, about uh, whether or not she actually has gone back in time versus she's getting a vision what, how this is connecting to the bracelets, how this is going to connect to uh, the setup for the Marvels that we're going to see uh, coming to theaters. I am definitely intrigued by this, uh, but the show is def- is keeping my interest. And like I said before, I absolutely love the little fight scene between Kamala and Kareem. 
with her using her powers and you know it's like where'd you get your it's like where'd you learn to fight donkey kong again that line just had me sold i loved it so i yeah i'm really looking forward to seeing where we're going with this all right everybody real quick does is everybody like honestly does anybody honestly agree with the rotten tomatoes rating of 96 percent or whatever that they've given the the miss marvel series or whatever i have yes. nothing against that yes okay Cyber? this is this is at this point my favorite of the disney plus shows uh if it can stick the landing as well as loki did I definitely don't think it's a 96. I think it's more like a 90 uh, because I still think it's a pretty decent series so far and really enjoyable. Uh, visually, it's very appealing, and I think that Iman uh, Villani is a fantastic actress. I think she's doing a phenomenal job. Uh, but definitely, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's as good as 96%. Uh, so I think that, you know, how the Rotten Tomatoes things works – it's not exactly the same as the audience score. So this is just all the, you know, critics saying that they like it. So, you know, I always usually go by what the the other score is. And that's, you know, I think that's around 90%. So I think it's more of a 90% or show. Well, if Chloe Zhao had directed it, it would have won an Oscar already. And hit the marker on the bingo cards again, folks. <laughs> It already, would have been, it already would have been Oscar contending. But, um, no. So, um, moving on to the article that Alexis alluded to earlier from the direct.com, uh, one of our favorite sources. And probably, I guess, I mean, I, I think probably the most legit source out there, as far as I know, when it comes to MCU news. I mean, I don't know any better. Um, she Hulk trailer location gets visited. In new Miss Marvel episode. And we end up getting out of that essentially is Marvel Studios has brought fan favorite Kamala Khan to live action with their newest series, Miss Marvel. The streaming show is the MCU's best reviewed Disney Plus offering yet. It's proved to be very popular with fans. In the series, Kamala comes into possession of her, a mysterious bangle, which unlocks her superpowers. Only to find himself being pursued by the deadly clandestine who wish to use Kamala's abilities to bring themselves back home and destroy the Earth in the process. So, um, at the end of episode three, Najma, the leader of clandestine, and her followers are arrested by the Department of Damage Control. The government agency was established in the aftermath of the Battle of New York that has the backing of Stark Industries. It was created as a way to clean up damaged infrastructure in the wake of superpowered battles. But since its exception, the DODC seems to have greatly expanded its purview. The department now appears to investigate and apprehend enhanced individuals on site, and as such, has been aggressively pursuing certain characters from Miss Marvel. A She-Hulk Easter egg in Miss Marvel. In episode four of Miss Marvel, the members of the clandestine have been having been taken in by the DODC, are being transported to their new cells in the agency's supermax prison. If this building was familiar, it's because it's the same prison has also been seen in the trailer for the forthcoming MCU series, She-Hulk Attorney at Law. And of course, I, don't, I can't show this on the screen here for you guys, but they show it right in the article that it is the same from the trailer, the same building. In the mm. She-Hulk trailer, Jennifer Walters pays a visit to the Supermass facility. 
It's there that she appears to meet with the Abomination himself, Tim Ross, Emil Bosky. And lastly, the DODC Supermax is a recurring MCU location. Unless Marvel has employed tricky editing in the S.H.I.E.L.D. trailer and Blonsky is being held in another location, then this DODC facility has been cropping up in the MCU since 2021. Devotees will remember that after Wong beats the Abomination at Jay Ling's Fight Club in Shang-Chi and the Legend of Ten Rings, he leads the monstrous brute back to his holding cell through a sling ring portal. That cell is identical to the one he's in during the trailer for She-Hulk. Given how powerful Blonsky is, the DODC Supermass must be tricked out with sorts of, all sorts of advanced tech to keep super powerful criminals like him in line. Uh, maybe Damage Control is being still being helped out by Sark Industries. The Sonic Blasters used on Najma or Najma and crew and Miss Marvel look pretty advanced and exactly the type of thing that Sark Industries would develop. And that's essentially it. I mean, the rest of it, they go into Captain America Civil War, mm-hmm. um, you know, and like the, um, you know, the prison in that one, the raft, um, you know, and uh, and Zemo, but you know, nothing really relevant besides yeah. that. So, uh, start with you, JD. Um, what do you think about all that? It makes sense. Uh, She-Hulk attorney at law is going to be you know, mostly like from what we've seen from the trailer, like um, She-Hulk uh, representing uh, powered individuals um, as an attorney. So you would need to go to the prison to, <laughs> to do that. So, uh, and, you know, we have, I think, pretty well established that that facility is probably in New Jersey somewhere or at least close by. Um so yeah, I mean, none of that, none of that super surprises me, um, especially given like, given how we've seen the uh, the expansion of DODC. Um, it definitely seems like uh, the raft is still a functioning facility, though, because isn't I believe that's where uh, Zemo was. It would make no logical sense for them not to keep it in service. Like, there was nothing wrong with yeah, it. Unless, yeah, unless that... Captain America smashed it up beyond a reasonable repair when he rescued uh, his it's... teammates. No, but, I mean, Zemo was there after that. It's it, It'll be interesting, like, if, there, if it is still in operation, who's running it at this point? Because it was a S.H.I.E.L.D. facility, so... Not sure who would be honestly, in control honestly, of it JD, at this point. Honestly, JD. Was he, wait, was he being held? I thought he was being held in Berlin. He was. Was he? Yeah. yeah oh, the, okay. the, it wasn't the raft. And then he got taken to Wakanda. Yeah. And right. Falcon You're right. Soldier, and so. honestly, I think he was in jail, in jail on purpose. I think. Oh, I, yeah. th- I don't even think he even had to go to jail. I think it's a part of whatever scheme he honestly is on. Whatever shit he's got going on in the background. Like, whatever plans he's got. Like, I think he wanted to be in jail. I do. That's what, that's what, that's what I thought during the Falcon of the Winter Soldier series. Because mm-hmm. he's, he's a baron. He's rich. You know, he could, he could buy off, uh, like, you know, a, a case or whatever, whatnot, and get out of jail if he wanted to. You know? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, so that, I mean, look, all I'm trying to say basically is that, and this is going to tie into the Thunderbolts film when it comes out, Baron Zemo has a lot going on. Well, yeah, yeah. You know, they've only unveiled a very small little bits and pieces of what he actually is all about. 
Yep. Uh, I mean, in fairness, I haven't watched Falcon and Winter Soldier since it came out because I hated it. So <laughs> it's been quite some time since I've watched it. Well, I can honestly say, JD, that I found I found myself that for the most part, I genuinely look back at the Disney Plus series more flatteringly after a couple months have passed by than I do <laughs> when I'm actually checking them out week to week. And that's mm. how that's how I fe- that's how I feel about Falcon and the Winter Soldier. There are yeah. there's there's things that I bitched about and complained about episodically and whatnot on the shows and whatnot during the series. That now, as a fan looking back, I don't care anymore. It was a good series. You know, mm. I liked it. It was street level. It was what it was. You know, um, but you know, at the end of the day, we all have our own opinions and. Um, I can tell you right now, I certainly um, did not think that the finale was done right, you know? Yeah. Um, Let's not turn this into a discussion about Falcon and Winter Soldier, oh, guys. We're not. It's our, we've already run over time as it is. No, no, we're not. We're not. We're not. We're not. Yeah, no, sorry. I'm, sorry, Jeff. I know that you love talking about that show. No, no. No, no. I'm actually, I was going to go, actually go to Cyber and then go to you again, Alexis, on this article. Cyber, what are your thoughts on this? Um, what's going on with damage control? And what are your thoughts on this connective tissue here? I mean, honestly, it, it makes sense to connect it all together and have it continue into, you know, She-Hulk most definitely. Uh, like I was saying earlier about how we were going to see DODC later on, this is it. We're going to be seeing more of DODC. So, I mean, it, it, it all works together. I think it, it coincides with each other very well. Uh, I think that, you know, this article talking about how, you know, that, where Blonsky is in the trailer and is related to that and this and that. And I think that that makes perfect sense, you know, and tying it in with Shang-Chi and tying in with, you know, Miss Marvel. It all is a part of the connected tissue that Marvel's trying to weave in their story. And I think, you know, that would make sense why they would do that and to keep everything going and to, you know, put things in that, you know, you've already seen before, but let's extend on that. And then I think that's what they're doing here with the DODC and that article. So I think that it's all, all in all, it's, it's a really cool thing. I can't wait to see it in She-Hulk. I can't wait to see a Blonsky in She-Hulk. I can't wait to see more of, you know, DODC at some point. And hopefully we'll get some more of them in these last two episodes of this Marvel. And also, hopefully, we have to see that more of them in the future. And maybe they'll even coincide with, you know, maybe teaming up with Sword at some point. Or Sword comes into the play. You know, it'll be interesting to see just how, if they connect it all as well. And what do you, Alexis, what do you think about the, the actual comic book connectivity going on here with Damage Control, too? I mean, of course, it's fan service, right? Well, Jeff, we talked earlier. I brought up the article earlier, and yeah. we discussed the whole thing. So I've already said my piece on damage control. Okay, cool. Sorry, I, I have nothing to say that won't be repeat. That wouldn't just be repeated. <laughs> I understand completely. That's totally fine. I get it. Anyways, uh, in the meantime, um, besides damage control, we have other important things going on, like Honeysuckle Rose Creations and ending the show so Lexus can go to sleep. Because she's tired, you know? She's already making me yawn. So, you know? And I very rarely yawn. Anyways, Honeysuckle Rose Creations, of course, is so valuable and worthwhile that we will actually spotlight it and highlight it 
through the technological wonder of screen share here on StreamYard. We will share it with you. And let Alexis, really quick, do her plugs before we take off. And tell everybody what she has going on, what she's selling, what she's got, you know, what her business is all about, and all about her Comic-Con business. All right, yes, Honeysuckle Rose Creations, where fashion meets fandom at the intersection of geek and chic, purveyors of handmade geek-themed jewelry, upcycled from various game pieces. You can see our site on Etsy is fully stocked. We also have a shop on handmade at Amazon. Uh, Like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, we're getting ready to head down to Texas for the Greater Austin Comic Con and Comic Palooza. These are back-to-back shows in Austin and Houston, Texas. Really excited. We've done Greater Austin a couple of times. It's a great show, but this is our first time going to Comic Palooza, and I am so excited. It's a huge show. Uh, after that, we've got the Colorado Springs Comic Con. We have the Fountain City Mini Con here in Kansas City, and we have the Cincinnati Comic Expo and Anime Nebraska in Omaha, uh, Nebraska. As always, you can follow us on Facebook, uh, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, again, Honeysuckle Rose Creations, the intersection of geek and cheek. I like that Batgirl-inspired Scrabble tile ribbon, too, Alexis. It's pretty cool. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's one of my favorite uh, ribbon chokers. Yeah, I like that. Uh, purple's my favorite color. Um, anyways, JD, tell us, please, since I did not give you a proper introduction when you came on the show, please, really quick, you know, just, uh, you know, Again, let people know who you are, about your show, that you've, uh, what, you've, um, you know, been on for, what, eight plus years now? Yeah, uh, we started uh, season one of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., so yeah, uh, eight years now. Uh, pushing nine in October, uh, which is bonkers, but yeah, uh show is Level 7 Access, uh, we're ostensibly a Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast, but we also cover Star Wars and most disney plus stuff um yeah uh i co-host it with uh four other folks um and we post weekly most of the time (laughs) well hey you you know what nine years is actually around the same time that my son started joining adult dating sites oh gosh but yeah we uh we're uh we're right now covering Miss Marvel, and I think uh, next week we're covering, like, we're doing a whole uh, episode on all of the episodes <laughs> of Obi-Wan. So, yeah. Level 7 Access Podcast, you can find us on any any podcatcher at this point. Hey, don't even mention Obi-Wan, all right? Because I already feel bad that I haven't watched it, and, like, I've got to watch the damn thing. I, I miss I'm missing review I'm missing opportunities to review the show like left and right on other shows and whatnot and everything. I gotta watch it. JD, uh, if you need any more contributors, let me know. Will do. Most definitely. And thank you very much, JD. You know what, brother? At the end of the day, um we'd rather have you late than not have you at all, brother. <laughs> yeah, know? I was uh I was talking about uh Book of Boba Fett, uh and I had a 
this podcast that I was on was supposed to take place a month and a half ago, but scheduling made that impossible. And isn't it uh, fun when we're all adults and we all have to do everything else? And one of the people that was supposed to be on that podcast got like a really bad case of COVID, so it was oh, rough for no. a while. But yeah, uh, we uh, I didn't realize we were going to take as much time trashing that show as we did. So- <laughs> It was uh, it was like going to a funeral that, of someone that everyone hated. Um, you should hear the Rattletch and Broadcasting's review of Boba Fett. It got <laughs> ugly. Hey, listen, you can say what you want, Boba Fett, but he gave me that sixty percent discount on my Bata tank, so I, I don't even care. I'm good. That's about how much. That's about the percentage of the show that took place in a Bata tank. So, <laughs> <laughs> hey. <sighs> Uh, anyways, uh, Cybernetic <laughs> Shark, my friend, would you like to plug any of your individual content, sir? Of course, if you like me on here on the MCU's Bleeding Edge, definitely check out my solo content under Cybernetic Shark, under YouTube, TikTok, Rizzle, uh, Instagram, Facebook, anywhere you can find stuff I'm on there doing stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, definitely check it out under YouTube. Uh, that's where I do my solo reviews and stuff like that. So definitely check it out. Impressions, all that kind of cool stuff. So, yeah, check it out. Most Baby Lynn, hang on. I'll just shit, like. Man, how long you gonna take to I'm going to call her. Hey, yo, how long? My child. This is not my child. No, it's hey, not. Are you going to help me? Yeah, you got to give me a chance. I don't have change. What happened to you? What happened to you? I don't know what happened to me. They said I got back. What? Oh my God! This is so what? This, this is good footage right here. Hey, yo, come on! I'm gonna get, I'm gonna help you right now. Come on. Where you gonna help me? I'm gonna go get change for you. Hey, miss, you got change for a twenty? You got change for a twenty? I don't know what's going on. Well, folks, we, we may have seen our first mutant in the MCU right there with the baby doll. <laughs> oh, my God. I, uh, I apologize. That shit pressed me up. I'm sorry. <laughs> I apologize, Alexis. I can't tell if you're uh, if you're if you're laughing or ashamed or what, but um, <laughs> oh my God, Cyber! I'm telling you that that video crashed me up, dude. I can see that it does. But anyways, folks, I apologize. I usually am more composed, but you know what can I say? You know, uh, there's just something about some chick with a baby leg poking out of her underwear or whatnot. You know, that just, uh, it makes me laugh, you know, uh, just as, just as much as I enjoyed Miss Marvel, Disney Plus series, same thing. But anyways, bottom line, um, episode four was great. Uh, we got two more to go. And I'd say at this point, things are looking pretty good. You know, I'm optimistic, you know, I mean, honestly, I, I, um, I don't, I don't think at all it's going to tank. I think it's going to get better. So, um, for Cybernetic Shark. For Lexus, for JD, um, shout out to all you in the fandom. We'll see you on the next one.
Peace. Galaxy. Yeah. Someone at the door, John, now I'm here to stay. Tell me who the fuck in the face of music. More brick land, less screen time. Been cutting back on the daily usage. Long road for the road dogs. To the wind miles from a soapbox. Got BKTs on this bitch. So everybody getting rolled on, yeah. Yeah, everybody getting rolled on. Check artist credits on BMI. I'm just too kind to expose y'all. And I see a team with a ghost sign. And question if y'all ever roll.